Welcome to democracyonthemove.org, a podcast tribute to the people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it toward its true democratic principles. Content for this episode was recorded on Wednesday, April 28, 2021. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's special podcast, and thank you for joining us. Today's podcast is special because, well, we're making a release on a Wednesday evening in addition to our normal Sunday releases. It's a fairly short podcast that features two readings directly from the source. Now, if you've been tuning into the podcast recently, you'll know that I've been focusing some time on Bobby Bostick. Mr. Bostick is a 42-year-old man sitting in prison where he's been since he was 16. The crime? Armed robbery and carjacking. The punishment? 241 years in prison, without possibility for parole until Mr. Bostick is 112 years old. Now think about that for a minute and let it soak in. If Mr. Bostick had actually killed someone at 16 and sentenced to life in prison, he actually would have been eligible for parole after 25 years. That's the law. But Mr. Bostick sits in prison for the rest of his life, not because he didn't kill anyone, but because the way the laws are written, he was sentenced to life in prison. Only those who are sentenced to life will get a parole hearing after 25 years. Believe it or not, a sentence of 241 years is not considered life. But let's be real about it. 241 years is a life sentence, but legally speaking, it's not. You know, I still haven't gotten my head around this legal phenomenon, and I probably never will. Mr. Bostick's only hope is that the laws regarding parole hearings are changed or that clemency from the governor is granted. Many people are working hard on both of those fronts. A clemency request has been sitting in Governor Mike Parson's queue for about two years now. And several lawmakers, including State Representative Nick Schroer, are working to change the laws governing parole for individuals who commit their crimes as juveniles. Mr. Bostick, meanwhile, sits in prison. To make use of his time, he's read over 1,000 books and has earned a college degree via correspondence. He's currently working on another degree. And he's written books that are available on Amazon. He's also written poetry and numerous essays. He understands his punishment, and he owns up to the crimes he's committed as a teenager. He has apologized to his victims. He has plans in the event that he's released from prison. He intends to set up a nonprofit organization whose goal is to keep other young men from following in his footsteps. For the past couple months, Mr. Bostick and I have been corresponding through email, snail mail, and an occasional phone call. Last week, in fact, we talked on the phone for about a half hour. We talked about a lot of things, and during this conversation, he read a couple of his essays. I recorded these essays for this special release of the Democracy on the Move podcast. I apologize in advance for the poor acoustics. Mr. Bostick used a phone in the common area of prison, so there's a lot of background noise. There was also a fairly loud 60-cycle hum from nearby equipment. Using Audacity, I've managed to filter out most of that humming noise, but still, it can be difficult to hear Mr. Bostick's voice at times. Nevertheless, the recording was successful. So now, here's Bobby Bostick in his own voice, reading from two of his essays, The Terrible Bullet and A Note to My Younger Self. So, uh, yeah, can you, uh, did you have some things that you wanted to read for us today? Oh, yeah, um... Uh, well, you, you know about the um, which you know about the piece uh, advice uh, I would like to uh, give to my younger self. Yes. Um, that 
and um, charge a terrible bullet. Also that, and um, those two pieces I would like to read. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Uh, uh, the terrible bullet is um, is inspired by, you know, it, it's not inspired, it's just to speak about the epidemic of gun violence and what's going on with it. And, you know, to try to give a solution to their problem. And it's written, you know, it's written in uh, poetry format, but it's really for that. Okay. Yes. So, I'm going to read it now. The Terrible Bullet. Bullet, can I ask you a question? Why are you so terrible? In the wake of your onslaught, things turn horrible. See how you rip through bodies to kill so many dreams? Just a ripple from the trigger sends blood flowing in streams. Made by man, but yet given a life of your own. You are not the solution because you break up many a happy home. People dealing with issues thinking that you can solve them. Yet in the end, you become the greatest problem. Look at the damage that you do to the world. Taking the lives of innocent boys and girls. Old Bullet, they say that you know no name, but yet in life you play such a deadly game. You have no eyes, so therefore you cannot see, blind to the fact that you are killing off humanity. I wonder if you knew your crimes, would you repent? And if so, would you claim that the death you caused wasn't meant? Would you just blame man and absolve yourself of guilt, wrapping your conscience up in an unmerciful quilt? Nothing but a piece of steel, yet your fatal consequences are so real. I must ask those that have emotions that feel, why has the bullet been given the power to kill? Not even knowing those whom it may slay, yet those precious lives will not live to see another day. I guess they had to go because this is what heaven will. But why are so many why are you so unsympathetic in what you did? Do you realize that the life you took was that of a kid? Almighty Bullet, let me ask you another question, because every day your daily deeds be having me guessing. I wonder at your worth, but I still cannot figure it out. Great death and destruction is what you are all about. Look at how you tore through that woman's heart, ripping her entire family apart. Then you have these greedy businessmen that become a gun dealer. Them as well as the trigger man is the real killer. Look at the precious souls that you have forsaken. You are a favorite tool of Satan. Earn is supposed to be a precious metal, but it is used for the wrong purposes by the devil. He destroys the souls of those that he possesses. Even the killer kills a part of themselves in the process. So, Bully, who do you answer to? Is destruction the only way that you pay your due? All it takes is a pull of a trigger to unleash your fury, shutting down all the factors that make the bullets would be the best theory. Because the lifeless bullet can take a life of its own. Once it is released into the earth, it is terror-prone. Traveling at the speed of light, all it takes is one bullet to end the life, causing grief and destroying so much. A lot of havoc can be reaped from a bullet's touch. Man figures the trigger and then he pulls it. Little does he realize the endless consequences of the terrible bullet. 
that's that one. Yeah, it's very good. I really like that. You know, uh, gun violence is uh, is is becoming more of an issue these days, and I think that that poem really really helps people understand the emotional toll that a bullet will take. Um, and then a uh, piece that um, the advice I would give to my young self. Mm-hmm. As I sit back and meditate on the many mistakes that I've made in life, I contemplate on the advice that I would give my younger self. Then again, I wonder, would he listen? My 14, 15, or 16-year-old self thought that he had it all figured out. He rebelled against adults because in his young mind they didn't know what they were talking about. How could they since they couldn't see the world through his eyes? Ironically, now that I'm older, I see things differently. When you were young, we somehow put in our minds that we would be young forever. How could we ever imagine that we would become those same adults that we rebelled against as we try to give positive advice to our own kids? I never lost touch with my youth, therefore I understand where that rebellion comes from. Yet my thinking has changed. At 14, 15, and 16 years old, I saw the world in the way that I wanted to see it. Back then it was only about what I wanted. That included girls, the latest fashions, cars, gang banging, and money. I didn't have a clue about the future, nor did I even care. Why? Because I never thought I would live to be 18 years old. All around me, my prayers were getting killed, so it was just a matter of time before I would be next. My mind was so closed back then. What was I thinking? The problem is that I wasn't thinking at all. Foolishly, without any rational basis, I thought I knew it all. I would make dumb mistake after mistake every day and not give it a second thought. In my mind, my parents and other nosy adults did not know what they were talking about when they tried to give me positive advice regarding the decisions I should be making in life. How could they understand me when they had not experienced what I had been through? Besides, this is not the 70s or 80s anymore. serious thought to what you are doing. The world doesn't owe you anything. 
I would tell my younger self, don't spend all of your time playing because this will this will cause you to have to work harder in the long run. Look at the bigger picture and don't just see what is right in front of you. Education doesn't seem all that important to you right now, but it is the foundation stone of everything that you are after. This is the basics of life. You cannot skip over the basics to get to the luxuries of life. When you make mistakes, take time out to evaluate how and why you made this mistake. Catch it before it becomes too big or irreversible. When someone asks you why you make that mistake, you often say, I was not thinking. Well, younger self, you need to start thinking. I would again tell my younger self to take responsibility for what you do and stop blaming people for your blunders. I would ask my younger self, where do you want to be in five years from now? What steps are you taking to get there? You have to have a plan and work that plan. As the old goes, as the old saying goes, if you fail to plan, then you, if you fail to plan, then you fail to plan. I mean, you plan to fail. I know that you do not want to fail in life. You have to be successful. Crime is not the way to do that. First, you have to learn what real success is. Right now, your definition of success is distorted. Study great the great leaders in history that came before you and see how they found success from the ground up. Look to positive, inspirational mentors. Even if your reality is hard, look to the future to see how it can be one day be better. Work towards that. Do not try to escape reality through drugs and alcohol. Find creative ways to deal with your pain, anger, and frustration. If you are misunderstood, do not feel alienated. Just be who you are and try to accept accept yourself who you are, even if others don't accept you for who you are. Face reality, no matter how difficult it is. Try to change that reality. You are not helpless to make change in the world. You are not powerless. Do not just see what is wrong with the world and complain about it. See what you can try to do along with others to make the world a better place. Do not be selfish. It is always bigger than just you. Stay grounded and stay humble. If you do not like the bully, then never become a bully. Do not make your choices strictly from peer pressure. The advice that I will keep giving to my young self is endless. But basically, this sums it up. If you are a younger teenager, please listen to me. My life is real. What happened to me at 16 years old is real. Read my story and make better decisions than I did. This is the advice that I would give to my young self. Something struck me deeply about Mr. Bostick during one of our recent conversations. Despite him being surrounded by prison walls, a 6 by 9 cell most of the hours of the day, and in general, an environment that provides little reprieve, he still manages to find some appreciation in life, and yes, even a little joy and gratitude. In my life, I've met precious few people that can keep such a positive perspective despite being immersed in such a challenging environment. Some years ago, for example, I had a friendship with a man who was, a, who was in a German prison during the war. He had worked with the French underground prior to being captured, and in prison, he was routinely interrogated by the Gestapo. He recalled those dreadful moments in his life in great detail. He would tell me that during the times that that he wasn't being interrogated, he would find humor and things to be grateful for, and he held no animosity toward his captors. You know, when I meet people like this, I ask myself if I could be as strong. I hope I never have to find out 
but it's good to know that there are people who can rise above their condition and make themselves better human beings. If you'd like to help Mr. Bostic, please have a look at the website, www.freebobbybostic.com. That's all one word, Free Bobby Bostic, F-R-E-E-B-O-B-B-Y-B-O-S-T-I-C, freebobbybostic.com. You can help by writing the governor of Missouri and asking him to act on Mr. Bostic's request for clemency. You can sign a petition to request his release. And if you have time, you can write Mr. Bostic a personal letter. He always enjoys receiving snail mail. But most of all, don't give up. If you're concerned with this situation and feel that action must be taken, well, then, as I've always said, life is a do-it-yourself experience. Take action. Talk to your friends and family about Mr. Bostick's situation. Help raise awareness. Write your legislature. Help other organizations such as the ACLU in their efforts to show compassion to a man sentenced for his actions as a young teenager. You've been listening to Democracy on the Move, a tribute to all those people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it back to its true democratic principles. Please tune in each week where we will feature guests and topics that will help keep you in touch with our march toward a more perfect union. If you have any suggestions for stories and or people you think we should cover at Democracy on the Move, please contact us through our website contact page at democracyonthemove.org contact or send us an email at info at democracyonthemove.org. You can also comment on our Twitter page at All on the Move. If you find today's podcast interesting and informative, please tell your friends and family about us. And if you'd like to help sponsor the podcast at Democracy on the Move, please contact us through the website or email. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's special podcast, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in. It's been my pleasure to be with you today. Please have a safe remaining part of the week ahead and a great weekend, and we hope you'll tune in to our next show.